Welcome in. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com. It is a big, big week for the BCJ Podcast. We are starting out on Tuesday night with the basketball podcast. That means I am joined by the one and only Bergie Knights, my main man, Justin Berg, who is uh, getting back in the swing of things for basketball season. Berg, we will be at a, a media availability tomorrow, the red and black scrimmage on Saturday, and then it starts next Wednesday as the team travels down to Louisville to take on Bellarmine at Freedom Hall in their first exhibition game of the year. It has been a long summer, a long offseason for you, Berg. Are you ready? I've been ready for six months ago, man. I'm itching, man. I cannot wait for the season to start. And starting with that scrimmage on Saturday, we get a chance to see some good battles between some of the positions. It's definitely the point guard for sure. And and then Kyle Washington and Nasir at center. So, yeah, let's get it going for sure. And to get things started on this basketball season, we had to bring in a special guest, a new guest to the BCJ podcast. We've brought you Sean Kilpatrick and Troy Copain and Eric Hicks and quite a few former Bearcats. We wanted to keep that going this season and introduce another Bearcat legend uh, from the late 90s, early 2000s. Welcome into the show, the one and only Leonard Stokes. Stokes, how are you? Pretty good, Jay. How's it going? It's going fantastic. One more thing to add. Uh, make sure you're tuning in tomorrow night as well. We will be joined by another Bearcat legend, this time on the football side, as one Haruki Nakamura comes on the podcast to talk about the early Mark D'Antonio years, uh, building a culture around Cincinnati football and, and learning how to win and how that relates to Luke Fickle and, and what he's going through right now at Cincinnati. So pretty good week for the show. we got Leonard Stokes tonight, Haruki Nakamura tomorrow. Man, man, big week in Bearcat, Bearcat, uh, Bearcat alone on the show, man. It, it is. Uh, a couple number love. 13s, too, right? We're <laughs> <laughs> just getting ready to say that. <laughs> we, love, we love having the former guys on, and it adds a lot of perspective. And, and with you, Stokes, it's, uh, it's really good. We'll get into this in a little bit. Um, your close friendship with Dramar, uh, because Dramar is now a, a student manager, our student uh, grad ass- our assistant on the team, uh, you're around a little bit more now and, and down there in the gym t- you know, checking some things out. So you've got a, uh, a unique perspective from having watched the team, and uh, you've got some thoughts on, on how those guys are looking. But first, you're, uh, you're getting into something new. You're, you're, you're venturing into, into our world uh, here now, and uh, you put out a really good trailer uh, on YouTube uh, last week that you hit me up with, and, and we, this is what we talked about, uh, giving you a chance to, to promote your new podcast. It's with, uh, it's with a guy we don't like much. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> he went to Xavier. Yeah, I'm, in, I'm, actually, in, I'm in full agreement. I'm in full agreement with you on that. <laughs> <laughs> he went to Xavier, but he's one of the, the few guys for the, that have ties to Xavier that actually uh, I get along with pretty well and have some good conversations. But you're, uh, t- tell us about your new podcast with Brad Redford. Yeah, so uh... – uh, be different is the uh, is the podcast uh, B E D F R N T, um, and you can find that on uh, on iTunes. That's where our first episode was, and then we also have the YouTube, and then we have the uh, the web page coming. But uh, Brad just, you know, out of the blue, Brad and I have always had a good rapport, good relationship. You know, I've actually got a ton of respect for him, and I, I really, really like him. He's probably my second all-time guy after Lionel Chalmers. I grew up with Lionel, but Brad is uh, Brad is good, man. Always the same when I see him. Uh, we always had some good times, good jokes about the Crosstown shootout and the rivalry. But uh, he started the podcast and he just said, "Hey, 
would love to get a Bearcat perspective on it. Um, is it something that you'd be interested in? And uh, immediately, um, you know, I, I accepted the offer from my man. So it was good. The first two episodes have been great. Um, the second one will air this Wednesday um, on, on the uh, on the podcast as, on iTunes as well as uh, on YouTube. So, and, and that's B E D R F N T. Is that what you said? Correct. B. Yeah, be different. Yeah, it's just without uh, without yeah. the vowels on the back in there. Yeah, so that's uh, that's what it is. And the the B the E is the only thing lowercase. Everything else is uh, capitalized. So it's cap, capital B, lowercase E, and then all the rest of them are are uppercase also. The B capital B lowercase E and then D R F N T all in uppercase. Get that on iTunes. Uh, go subscribe to that right now. Help our man Leonard Stokes out as he uh, ventures into this media world. And uh, podcasting is fun, man. It's a chance to get around and, and, and share some thoughts about what you're seeing and, and obviously about something in college basketball that you've always been very passionate about. Yeah, definitely, man. That's sort of the reason why, you know, why I did it is, uh, you know, I love to, you know, Chad, like you said, you know, I'm around. I like to interact with the guys, with the kids, um, you know, with, with everything you see. So, you know, it's, second nature to me man i've been around that place since 1999 man. so um you know just love to kind of like you said tell a few stories and uh get some perspective some perspective on it well i'm gonna t- i'm gonna turn you over right now to our bearcat basketball historian uh you would think historians would be kind of old but but berg's in his mid-30s but nobody okay. knows more about cincinnati basketball than my man justin berg berg i know you were excited when i gave you the call i interrupted him at dinner twice stokes i had to call him a, a second time <laughs> <laughs> to get him to answer the phone to let him know that Stokes was coming on the podcast. He was very excited, and I know you've been uh, preparing for this for a couple weeks now. So uh, take it away. You got it, Berg. Yeah, I mean, you were you were part of some pretty good teams there, obviously. Your freshman and junior year, I mean, you guys were in the top five both years. And we don't need to talk about how that first year ended. We'll just move past that. Um, yeah, I definitely. Don't think, I don't think anybody wants to talk about that, but – Obviously, you saw some great players that year, and, and but I, I really wanted to talk about the um, your junior year, and you guys went from unranked to the school's only number one seed, and that team like that team fit together perfectly, man. I mean, you had you and McElroy on the wings with Logan, and then Jamal Davis and and Little, and that bench with Field Williams and Maxwell. I mean, it was just like it was it was just it fit together about as well as any team I've seen. Um, I, I, I want to get your thoughts though on, on just how good Steve Logan was that year. I mean, he was incredible. And some of the people that maybe a little bit younger don't remember exactly how good he was that year. No, he was, he was good. I, mean, I tell people all the time, I mean, Kenya was extremely dominant. Um, you know, I didn't get a chance to see Oscar live, but I mean, obviously we know his, his, his legend, um, you know, Nick Van Exel had a great career also. Danny Forsen, but I mean, pound for pound, Steve Logan had to be the best Bearcat ever. I mean, Steve is a little, little guy. And I mean, I went up against him and practiced for three years, and I literally blocked his shot twice in three years. I blocked everyone else's multiple times, but I blocked his shot twice in three years. I mean, he was just so good at creating space and scoring. And then, you know, he was the leader of the team. So, I mean, we all knew that. Um, and everyone kind of played their role. I think that's why our team was so successful that year. Yeah. I mean, like I said, you guys all the way up to the top five, you know, win the league, win the league tournament. And then that nice draw that the uh, committee gives Cincinnati uh, most, most years. 
They give you uh, the UCLA Bruins, who were, I believe, also in the top five that season and somehow dropped all the way down to an eight seed with, I think they had three pros on that team. Um, that Correct. was your big night. Obviously, you had the 39 um, hitting from everywhere. That was a really high-scoring game. Um, but for whatever yeah. reason, Leonard, um, what the basketball gods were not uh, on the Bearcats' side that day, to say the least. Uh, I've got a list yeah. here of um, the the – the game went to overtime, right? So you could just take double, any double play. Overtime. Right. But you could take any play from regulation, and if it would have been the other way, maybe Cincinnati advances like Max Seal's tip dunk gets waved off, which was clearly outside the cylinder. Uh, Billy Knight banks a three in from the corner. Um, banks a Matt three in Barnes, the corner. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, Matt Barnes shoots shoot, 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 a three that hits the back rim, front rim, front rim, goes in. Uh, and then I don't know how many times Dan Gadzirik just threw in blind turnarounds that went in. Um, just, yeah. I mean, what did that feel like? What you guys just couldn't get stops in that game, no matter what you guys did. Yeah, that that was that was the thing. Is you know, if anyone knows, you know, you're a Bearcats fan. You know, our teams are going to be tough, hard nosed teams. And you're going to have to bring it, man. So I mean, literally, to start the story off, UCLA started the season at number one. They were preseason number one that year. So I mean they had I mean their shortest guy was six six on the team. I mean they were they were a big team. They had a lot of pros on the team. So they start the season at number one. They have a few injuries. I mean Jason Capono, Matt Barnes, Dan Gazurik. I mean they had they were they were they had a stud of a lineup, but they just had injuries during the during the year and they didn't piece it together. So obviously we get the draw, like you said, you know, the NCAA selection committee always is in favor of UC. So we get the draw of the, the the team that was ranked number one during the, the at the beginning of the season. I mean, obviously we finished the season at number one. Um, we got the number one seed, but I mean it was a tough draw. But we knew what we were getting into going into the game. And I mean, there was people don't know this, you know, unless the, the the guys out there. There was so much trash talking going on in that game. It was unbelievable. It started from the layup line. I mean, these guys were mouthing off. I said, hey, you know, we're, we're laughing because we're like, do you guys really understand you guys are talking trash to us? Like, we don't – people don't talk trash to us. So, I mean, we went out, we jumped into a big lead, but we could never – like you said, we could never get a stop. And I think it was just such a mismatch nightmare going against those guys. And every time we would switch, I mean, I guarded Capono for most of the game. Um, McElroy, me and Mac kind of did a good job. He went scoreless in regulation. So, I mean, I would have to switch because – you know, they would bring in Bozeman, who was 6'7", and Logan was only, you know, six foot on a good day. So, I mean, we, you know, we had matchups that were a little dicey at times, and then, you know, you get Matt Byers, who started to go off a little bit, and I tried to switch and guard him. So, I mean, we were playing musical chairs between Mac and I um, on the defensive end, but we just couldn't get stops, and it was so frustrating. I mean, we, mm. you know, because that's what we pride ourselves on. But like you said, um, you know, they were – you, you look, you know, we do everything we can. Shot clock runs down. Dangus throws up. Doesn't even look at the basket a couple times. Just throws the ball up, and it goes in. So we're just yeah. like, man, we, this is going to be a dog fight. So, I mean, we, we, we fought it out. I think at the end of regulation, I got clobbered under the basket, and they didn't call that one. I would right. definitely made those two free throws, so we wouldn't have went to overtime. But, I mean, there was a, there was, you know, there was a little diciness and touchiness there with the officials. I didn't really, after the game, I had some choice words during the uh, press conference, but I didn't think they did us any favors. But, obviously, you know, we had a lead and we should have kept the lead. But it was, that was a tough game. That was probably my toughest game in 
in, in my college basketball career was uh, was that game because that the team we had was such. Oh. I mean, we were such a family that team. I mean, we we really liked and enjoyed each other. I mean, if you remember when I came off the court at the end of that second overtime when I knew the game was over, I started crying before I even got to the scores table because I really felt that that was our year. Obviously, after the first year, I thought that this that year was our year because we had such a good team and we were such a such a family. Yeah, well, you weren't the only one crying that day. I'll have to admit, um, I, I thought that team could have just easily gotten to the Elite Eight, if not the Final Four. I know Oklahoma was pretty good that year. That was the uh, two seed in your region, but that was a really hard one to take. I mean, there's obviously been, as Bearcat fans know, there's been tons of seasons that have ended just in you know, very difficult fashion. And that one, right. again, because you guys just had, you know, going from unranked to number one seed and just that team was just, oh, man, Logan and all you guys were just playing at such a high level offensively and defensively. Um, yeah, that I, I can't imagine you score almost 40 points and then the season's over, so you really don't even get to enjoy, you know, your career high. Yeah, I did. I didn't, man. That was the that was a heartbreaker because we we got seated in Pittsburgh, if you guys remember, and I, the University of Pitt also played there. So Brandon Knight is one of my good friends from high school. Julius Page was on that team. He was my high school teammate. So I mean, we had the entire city of Buffalo at that game. I mean, our our entire city was there. Pittsburgh is only a few hours from Buffalo, so I mean, you know, I, I, I would have I traded every one of those points in for us to, you know, for us to win that game. I mean, it was it was a tough, hard fought, uh, hard fought game, man. But I mean, that that year was a was a special year, and I teased Brad a little bit in some of our talks because the first crosstown shootout at the Centos Center was that year. We beat them by about twenty two points um, at at that place. I mean, we ran off I think twenty two consecutive wins in a row that year um, we lost to Oklahoma State at Oklahoma State our first game and I just think we lost that game because everyone was trying to find the identity of the team we were all kind of new to those positions and everyone was trying to figure out who's going to be the alpha male who's going to be the scorer who's going to you know defend and then finally you know after we got the hang of it you know obviously Logan was the leading scorer I was the second leading scorer and then you know we would you know Jamal found his his niche at the power forward. He was, you know, a good passer and a smart player. So, I mean, it, it just took us that one game and uh, the practice after that, because I remember that practice was pretty rough after we lost Oklahoma State. <laughs> so, we just said, man, we're not losing again, man. We won 22 in a row. Yeah, you didn't lose again until you ran into Dwayne Wade up there, right? Yeah. Is that the, yep, that was the first loss. Yeah, they were just they were just on fire that night. But um, you, guys, you guys got them back for sure. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a fun season. And then, obviously, your senior year, it was a really weird season. You guys had like three wins against top ten teams, but just a lot of, you know, kind of subpar efforts and some, you know, games you probably should have won. But you got into the tournament, and then that was the, that was the Chuck Mayshock got, got the got the hook from the ref in that game because it was a ridiculous game. How many free throws? I mean, it was just like everything was a foul. Everything. I mean, obviously we're out there playing Gonzaga, and we never get the benefit of the doubt because we're like we were like quote unquote the bad boys of college basketball. So everything. I remember at the end of that game, they, so they kick Hugs out, and Hugs goes to the locker room. And then a couple minutes later, we're dribbling the ball down. I hear the ref blow the whistle again. And I hear the crowd go crazy. And I look, and he's like, you're out of here. And I'm looking like, who's he throwing out now? And I'm looking at the assistant coaches, and then it, it, I said, the ra- I said they really kick radio? I, that was the first. I, had, I didn't even know that was possible. Chuck <laughs> <laughs> is my guy. I love Chuck to death. I mean, I, they kicked the radio guy out. Then we get text, and then everything, like you said, 
was a foul. And then the end of the game, we're down. We make a good run. I pump fake. The guy jumps it to me. I lean it to him. And I'm thinking I'm going to the line to shoot three free throws, offensive foul. So, I mean, yeah. it was a yeah, – was, that, was, that, was that was a tough game, man. I remember getting to the locker room and hug gave me the biggest hug in the world and just said, hey, I've never not been there. Um, for my guys, and this was your last game, and I really apologize for getting throw, thrown out. But I didn't, mm. you know, I didn't deserve to get thrown out. So he gave me a big hug when uh, when I got back into the locker room. I got to I got to ask one thing. Uh, what What was it like watching a teammate outscore a complete other team by himself? <laughs> so I tell I tell this story to people all the time. So we we we're we're playing, and literally. I think I had scored – I think I've scored like 20 points in a row for like a couple games. So, every time I got the ball, these guys are double teaming. So, I'm, I'm turning, I'm passing. Logan's scoring the ball. So, I remember it gets to the – towards the end of the game. Logan is at the free throw line, and I just hear the crowd going crazy. So, I'm like, what? I'm thinking somebody passed a milestone. So, I look up at the um, Jumbotron. And I look at the score, and I say, Lowe's got 41. These guys got 39 as a team. <laughs> so I, look, I, I, I literally said to their team, I said, you guys keep double-teaming me, and this guy's got more points than your whole team? I said, that's why you guys are so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was, that was unbelievable, man. I mean, it was, it was such in rhythm, though. You didn't even know that he had that many points. I mean, it was such – it wasn't like he was forcing shots or he was just – that game, he was just on. He made the shots that he needed to make. And just us as being players, you, we, you know, we're out there. We didn't really pay much attention to it. And then, you know, you finally look up towards the – because the game is getting towards the end. So, at the end of the game, when we're up that big, you know, me and Logan used to laugh because I'm like, yo, I got to get my average. If, I, if you're not close, you want to go get the ball so you get fouled and everything. So, when literally when the crowd went crazy, I looked and I said, this guy's got more points than the whole team. And I said, I said are you guys serious? You guys double teaming me? <laughs> Like I'm going out of style. This guy's got more points than all than your whole team. So <laughs> they got to talk a lot of that. Yeah. So you um, and and back to your your senior year real quick. And and I don't know, Chad, if you're ready to talk about this year's team or not. But this is something I had. So so Leonard, you your sophomore year, you were at about three free throw attempts per game, right? So that's about where yeah. Jacob Evans was last season. But by your senior year, you were up over six per game. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, what, how did you increase your attempts by that much? And, you know, do you feel like Jacob, you know, has the ability to do the same thing? Yeah, I think Jacob's, Jacob's a player, man. The good thing about him is he plays both ends, um, super athletic. Um, and I know we get, we kind of tease him with being around DeMar and kind of talking to him a lot more. You know, we kind of get on him about being a little more assertive because if you, if you get him mad or upset, he will, I mean, he he will take over completely. And, you know, that's what DJ DeMar's on him a little bit about that, and I make, make mention of it too, and I'm pretty sure Mick is also. Um, but I think, he'll, I think he'll figure it out. I mean, when you're younger, you just, you're just kind of playing and playing, and then as you get older, you kind of get a better feel for the game. You understand time. You understand situations. So what usually happens is the light bulb goes off because what I used to do is look, okay, and say teams are in the bonus, and I was good off the bounce like he is, so I was just attacked. And then as soon as they put their hands on you, you just go to the free throw line and knock your free throws down once you're in the bonus. So it's just about maturing and being and being smart. And I think he's, you know, I think he's matured, and I think he's done a great job of getting better every every uh, season. So I think he'll add that to his repertoire, and I think he'll be uh, he'll be fine. Now Stokes, uh, 
the, one of the freshmen kind of reminds me of you. I want to know what you think. Do you see any of your game in Keith Williams? Yeah, it's funny, man, because everyone, when, when they were recruiting him, um, a lot of the coaches were like, you guys are similar. You know, obviously he's a little bit bigger than I was coming out of school. But, I mean, the game-wise with the ball handling and getting past and the athleticism, um, that those are the comparisons. But I like them, man. I, I, I like them. Uh, from what I've seen from him in the practices, man, I I, I really like him. I like the uh, all the young guys. I like the entire the team. You know, I don't. I know we're gonna get into it, but I mean, I I think that they're they make this piece together a good team, and I think everyone has their role, and I think those guys are gonna play their roles. I think the early thing is gonna be Kane, um, with him, kind of getting the feel on when to take shots and who to get the ball to and what situation. But I think once that is figured out, I think that team's gonna be and be dangerous, man. And I really do like the freshman coming off the bench, and I do like I like Keith, man. He reminds me a lot of myself with uh, his athleticism and ability to uh, to to move off the bounce. Well, we'll stick on the freshman for one second. The, uh, the first time you saw Mamadou walk in the gym, was your reaction like everybody else? Like, who the hell is that? Yeah, yeah, I I, I saw him, man. But he's a, he's impressive, man. I, I I like him. I think he's going to be extremely talented, man. He's an in and out guy. Um. I just think he's just raw, and I think as he learns the game, I think he'll be he'll be really dangerous as he gets older. I mean, you don't see many guys six ten, seven two, seven three wingspan that can move like that kid, do you? Yeah, no, not at all. That's what I was saying that day when uh when we were in, when I when I saw you over at practice. I said, man, this is I said this this guy's gonna be it'll be more than fine if he's working. <laughs> Bird. Yeah, well, that was with the two guys with. With Diara and then um, Ellie Sasemi, um, you got some you know, a couple guys that play really hard. I mean, how much have you seen Ellie uh, as far as like his energy level and just how relentless he is on the glass? Yeah, he gets after it on the uh, on the glass, man. I mean, that's what, and I think that's what's going to help the team is, is is during practice. You know, those times where the, the you know the starters have to go because Gary's going to be Gary. Gary's going to rebound. Um, Kyle's the same way, but I think sometimes you get a little lax when, you know, you're going up, you know, because Cal's, Cal, the energy that those two bring is, uh, is is a lot different. And I think going up against each other in practice is really going to help them um, kind of have a different perspective um, come game time, um, you know, with, with, uh, with the other team. So. Yeah. You mentioned, you mentioned that, uh, you know, everybody has their role and, you know, sticking in the front court, you've got, the, the other two reserves, probably the, the, the next two on the, you know, the first two off the bench would be Trey Scott and Nasir Brooks. And um, I know Trey last year, he found a little bit of a role defending the perimeter um, as, a, as a big, you know, against teams that shot the ball well from outside. And then, and then Brooks brings you that, just that length and, and he runs a floor. I mean, you know, talk about those two guys and your impression of, of them so far in their career. Um, I, I, I like Trey. I think Trey's going to be good. Um, you know, his, his confidence is getting better and a lot more together. Um, so I think he'll be, I think he'll, he'll be all right. And I actually had a good conversation with him, um, after our homecoming. Um, we had, we had a good talk after the football game. Um, so I think he, I think he gets it. And I think he's, uh, he's, he's pushing along, um, pretty well, but he's a, he's a guy, he's another guy who's a inside outside guy. Um, you know, if he works at it, um, you know, he can defend multiple positions and he just has to bring it every night and play hard. I think that's what make is expected from him. So I think as long as he does that, he'll be fine. And Nas is a, I, I, I like Nas, man. Nas is big. Nas is athletic. Um, 
You know, I think it's the same thing with him. He's just, just going to have to get, you know, get more reps. And as he gets more reps, I think the sky's the limit for him. I really, I really like him as a talent. I think he's a talented kid. And I think he's got a bright future um, as long as he keeps working and getting better um, on his game. I mean, he's a big body. He can move. Um, you know, he can, he's athletic. So I really, you know, I really do like him. Yeah, and that, I think that's going to be interesting to watch. The uh, So last year, you know, Washington averaged about 25 minutes, and then Brooks was only around eight and a half or nine. And I, and I imagine that, that Brooks's minutes will go up this season, uh, especially with the way he runs the floor and the team is, is preparing to to play at a faster pace. So it'll, that I think that's the matchup that um, will be interesting alongside, of course, the point guards. And you mentioned Kane. Um, and, and it's going to take him some time to get acclimated. So it's it's nice that Cronin has Justin Jennifer, who's as solid as it gets last year, was about four to one assisted turnover and shot the three ball well. So, you know, what are your impressions of Jennifer so far? Jennifer's been looking been looking great, um, you know, in practice, man. A couple of practices I've, I've been to, coaches were real high on him. Uh, but I think he's, you know, he's just matured. Um, and I think he's going to be good. So, I mean, you got two guys who both play like to play up-tempo. Um, and who can also slow the ball down. Obviously, just, uh, Jennifer's not going to be as the volume of a score as Kane, but um, I think he'll come in and I think they'll split duties, and I think they'll be uh, I think they'll be good. I think you know Kane is going to be good. He's going to be a stud. I just think that when you, you kind of transfer over, you got that first year. You know, you're, you're trying to you know, especially as a point guard, he's got to you know, he's got to make sure certain guys get their touches on top of you know him still scoring the ball. Um, when he needs to score. So it'll be interesting to see. But I think once that is figured out, I think this team is going to be really, really, really good. Yeah, and you and you look back at you know, some of the guys you played with that came in and transferred in, whether it was junior college or, or from you know major college. I, I know McElroy and, and Jamal Davis are two names that come to mind. And you know their first year was a lot of acclimation and trying to figure it out. And then they really blossomed their second year. So uh, I, I guess it, you know a lot of fans are expecting – uh, Broom to come in, in in his first year and be you know at his peak production level, and I don't know if if that's realistic or or you know if, if he'll be able to pull that off or not. I mean, I know you saw those other two guys, you know, when you were playing with them, and and um, you know how they yeah. felt through it. Yeah, and I think that's yeah, that's what I think. You're absolutely right. Um, you know, I, I think his talent is so good; it has been so good. I mean, he's a freshman, averaging more 24 points at Sacred Heart. I mean, so I mean that's that's that speaks volume. But then again, you got to look. He's on the team, to where that's not the sacred heart team. I mean, he's got Jacob Evans, <laughs> he's got uh, Gerard Cumberland. I mean, these are guys who also can score the ball. So you know, he's going to have to distribute um, a lot more. But I think he makes up for that with his quickness. So I think there'll be a lot more um, offensive possessions, so to speak, with him um, to get to get more shot opportunities which can kind of pan out. But I think he's going to be good. I don't think it's going to take him a full year to kind of get acclimated because I think he's a pretty bright player. But I think it's going to take a little bit of time early on for him to um, for him to find his uh, find his rhythm. Yeah, you're right. And, and Mick had said that he has the, the like the instincts of the 35-year-old. He really feels like his, his IQ and his awareness. So, you know, I'm sure – I guess be prepared that he's going to take some, some lumps and have some ups and downs, you know, the first segments of the season. But, yeah. Like you said, by the end of the year is really all that matters. So, um, yeah. as long as he gets it by then, yeah, I think he'll pick it up pretty quick, man. I mean, schedules. I mean, the schedules fast paced from. <laughs> you got UCLA, yeah. you got Florida. I mean, you got some some uh, some some good teams. Um, you know, 
uh, in December. I mean, so that's pretty early. So I think those guys will be up for the challenge, man. The thing about those kids, they're all competitive. They all compete. And I think they really do all like each other. I mean, that, they remind me of when we were playing. Man, you see one of those guys, you see all of them. I mean, and that's that's what you have to be as a team to win. I mean, you guys got to actually care about each other. So um, I think I think it'll be a big year for us. Chad? Chad, did I bore you, man? You fell asleep? I wonder what happened. Maybe he went. Hold on one second. Keep going, Berg. I'm handling something real quick. <laughs> All right. I was like, is he, is he in the bathroom or something? What's going on? Um, <laughs> yeah, you mentioned so that the schedule gets real pretty quick. I mean, this is, you know, obviously being in a league. I mean, you, you played in Conference USA for your whole career. So you know that, you know, you have to schedule tough in the non-conference because you're not going to get a lot of marquee, you know, opportunities in the league. And, you know, this season is about as tough as I've seen. You've got that, you know, you got an early tournament that includes uh, Richmond and Iowa that you could end up with. Those are two pretty tough teams. And obviously you have Xavier and Florida and Mississippi State, who's going to be real tough. I mean, that game's at home, but I don't think people realize how how tough. That's Ben Howland in his third season. Um, you know, yeah. they're going to be they're going to be a real tough out. And then obviously, you know, you go out and play UCLA on the road. So, I mean that's a that's a four game potentially a five game stretch if you include if they get to play Iowa. Um, would you think that they need to win three out of those five? I mean, if they really want to get a high seed. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think that's what's got to happen. But I think we got the potential to do it. I know, you know, Iowa is going to be you know typical. You know, they're going to be hard nosed come in and and, and and play their game. Same thing with Mississippi State. They're going to be a big physical team. Um, so, but you know, I, I think the guys will be prepared. Um, prepared. I'm, I'm expecting, I'm expecting us to win those games. I mean, you know, you look sometimes in the past and you say, eh, you know, it's a coin toss. But I'm, I'm really expecting the guys to have a big, big year, man. I'm, I'm, you know, I've seen these kids all summer. You know, I've, I've been a, a bunch of practices early on. Be interesting at the scrimmage this weekend. But I think they've got enough bodies. Um, and, and enough volume on that team to be really, really deep and really, really, uh, really, really good. And they've got size also. You know, those those big guys are big. The wing guys are are, are, are big. I mean, Jerron and uh, uh, Jerron and uh, Jake. Jacob. Yeah, are, are you know, and those guys are interchangeable. Then you got Keith coming off the bench along with you know Trevor. Those guys are all at pretty decent size. Um, you know, Trey. I mean, so I, you know, I really, I really like the mix and the match that, you know, that Mick has over there. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm yeah, hoping he went all. <laughs> yeah, I'm back. Go, by all right, Chad. I was just going to say I... that that, uh, <laughs> that uh, you know, it'll be interesting if you know when you get into crunch time, right? Because you know, you used to having Troy Copain with the ball for the last few years, and now, you know, I knew Mick had had talked about potentially Jacob Evans being the guy who makes decisions. I, I, I would think that also Jaron Cumberland with his ability to create not just for himself, but for others. And then, you know, then, you know, Kane's new, I mean, does he, you know, did you put the ball in his hands and, you know, in a, in a tight game late. So that, that'll be the, having those five tough games will be great to figure that out by the time they get to conference play. So Chad, what's yeah, up, and I think that, yeah, exactly. exactly. I think that's exactly what's needed. Like I said, it reminds me a lot of that year with, with, that you mentioned my junior year is it's going to take the first couple games for guys to figure out who's who, because they got so much firepower. <laughs> you really look at those. I mean, look at this. Those three perimeter guys are all capable of scoring thirty points at the drop of a hat. All, all three of them 
So, I mean, you know, it's, it, it'll be interesting to see um, how that dynamic comes comes into uh, play. I think they'll figure it out. And Mick is, Mick is a good coach, man. Mick, is, Mick doesn't get enough credit for being as smart as he is. But Mick is smart, and he figures things out pretty quick. So, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll have a game plan. I think if those guys stick to it and follow it, I think they'll be, they'll be more than fine. I uh, I had to deal with a football phone call, so sorry about that. I I, I greatly apologize. <laughs> football. The, the, well, I mean the the grind of being the owner of BearcatJournal.com never stops. It's, it's eight o'clock at night. My phone's ringing with football information. So, I mean, yeah, you, you got know. you got to take you got to you got to take the call, man. Us the Bearcat, the Bearcat faithful need answers. Exactly. <laughs> so you got to get those answers. I'm getting answers, and I'm distributing my team to handle those answers while I'm on the phone call with you guys. So, um, you know, it's interesting. I, Kane, Justin, you brought up some really interesting stuff when you were going through the synergy numbers that 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 kind of surprised me. Kane is a much better player in the half court than he was in the open court, according to the metrics, which you would think a guy that has his speed and – and, and makes his plays in transition a lot of times. Of course, that's where his turnover problems could have also been as well. But more than anything, I think the takeaway from that is you're not sacrificing offense in the half court with Kane because of his speed. You're also dealing with a guy that's really good in pick and roll, that's really good in ball screen situations, uh, and is, is very good in the half court. He's not just a uh, one-trick pony in terms of, of being a speed demon and playing in the fast break. He can help you in the half court as well, so I think that's going to be important. He was good off the ball too. That was; those were almost his best numbers. He cuts to the basket well. He so that goes to what Mick was saying about how smart he is, his feel. You know, he knows where to be, and I think even um, you know catching shoots, he was he was pretty pretty strong as well. And and Leonard, you know this. I mean, look, you know, they can they can try to play as fast as they want in the regular season, but when you get into the big games down the stretch, crunch time, especially in the tournament. It's all about scoring in the half court, and so if if he sure. is if he's adept at doing that, that's you know that's definitely going to be something that can help the team. Yeah, he I think he is because all the footage I've seen of him highlights from um, from when he played previous. I mean, he he moved a lot without the ball. I mean, he just I mean, he got I teased him one time because he got a dunk on one of the um, highlights I was watching. <laughs> I mean, he could dunk. Um, he got he got a dunk, but I mean, he was he he moved around a lot, a lot of backdoor cuts. Um, because of his speed, but then also he was off the bounce, off the pick and roll, like Chad said. So I mean, I was, I was, I was pretty impressed. So I'm in full agreement that I think you're not sacrificing anything with him being in the game at a half court because his, he, he's so intelligent. You know, he knows his size. He knows, you know, where to be and where not to be. And usually, usually when when you're a little guy, and I, I'm not, I don't mean like in the, the sense of height, but just when you're thin. Like I was, you you have to, you got to know. There's certain things you know, and certain things you you shy away from, and certain things you 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 move towards. So a lot of that is, you know, you don't want to have all that contact. So you want to kind of roam a little bit, but then you pick your spots where you can backdoor, or you get the ball. And guys always want to be physical with you because you're smaller. So what you do is you use that momentum as they're charging you to go past them. So I mean, he's good at that. He's really good at that. So I don't think you're sacrificing anything. Um, with them at the half court, like Chad said also. Leonard, I asked uh, Berg this question earlier in the week, and I, I don't want him to answer because he might be working on a, an article on it uh, before the season starts, but I want your opinion. I, I, I'm guessing it's going to be you and someone else, uh, oh. but 
Jacob and Jaron, best pair of wings in the Cincinnati program since? I think it's a tough one. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I think myself and McElroy, that was, we, were, we, were, uh, we were good on the, on the wings. Um, I would go DeMar and Pete, best since yeah, DeMar, DeMar and Pete. Yeah, DeMar, DeMar and Pete were, were – uh, that was that – was, Ridiculous. Yeah, 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 that was ridiculous right there. DJ yeah, <laughs> was six nine, man. Six nine. Pete was six five, six six. Yeah, that was a. Uh, I mean, hell. I mean, you look at. I mean, that's a lineage of. Uh, I mean, before that, you you, you had a uh, Flint and uh, uh who was the name is uh, running mate? That was it. Dirt was it? Was it uh? Was they had Burton and Durden back then. Burden of dirt, burden of dirt. That's what it was burden of dirt. And those two, I mean. So there's, there, I mean, there's good. But I, yeah, I will, I will go with uh, with Pete and um, Pete and uh, and Demar. And that's high praise. That. I mean, good. you're talking about the number six pick in the draft, and a guy that made yeah. like forty million dollars in Europe. Yeah, yeah. I, I will go. I will go with those two. Those two are. Uh, yeah, that was you freshman know, year. That was a good one-two punch right there. It's funny. Demar was like um, a look into the future. Because that's the game now. All those guys in the NBA, two guards are six seven, six eight, six nine. But back then, it hadn't progressed to that point yet. Like, Demar was kind of a like a, a unicorn, kind of a one of a kind guy. What was that to get back into the old days? What was that when he walked in the first time? And, and you're probably thinking like, uh, this guy's a four, whatever, and he's a two guard. No, we knew we we knew each other since high school. I okay, mean, me, him. And Satterfield, we're all we've been close as we've been young. You know what I mean? So we we were all. I mean, Sat was McDonald's. DJ was McDonald's. I was Mr. Basketball. I beat Sat out for Mr. Basketball. So I mean, we all would play AAU tournaments, and we would all see each other. You know, that's we would all see each other. So that's actually how we all wound up coming to UC. Was you know we all we spoke. You know, we talked in high school, and we were all pretty you know pretty close. I mean, I remember Satterfield would call me ten o'clock, eleven o'clock. You know, on the Thursday or Friday, we would just talk, you know, about future and about, you know, us going to school together and things like that. So it was a – I mean, I, I used to see DJ in tournaments, and it was the same thing. He's 6'9", so you got to put a four-man on him, and he was just – that's why he was so good. He would just blow past a guy and dunk. He was like Kevin Durant before right. Kevin Durant. That's that's what he was, you know. So, I mean, it was just – it was it was funny, man. It was, it was funny. So, I mean, we all got – we all get here. And we, 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 we get acclimated with school, and we, we're playing um, pickup basketball before the season starts, you know, around uh, September, early October. And uh, we're, so all the freshmen, we're all on the same team because we're, we're so close together. So they, uh, Kenyon has to get his braces. He has to get dental work on his braces. So he misses an open gym. And we literally wore out the upper class. <laughs> One, we did not lose a game all day long. Man, Kenya came back to that stage. You heard that we didn't win a game. We didn't win a game. So we literally listened. We didn't do the entire thing. We didn't win that day. And then the next day, we lost every game. How big was Mick in getting you guys all here? Um, he was big. I mean, Coach Baker um, recruited me with Coach Hodge. But Mick was a coach after me. You know, Mick was recruiting Kenny. He was, you know, he Mick would call and check on me. I mean, I've known Mick since I've been 
17 years old. You know what I mean? So, I mean, he was uh, he was big because, I mean, without those other guys, I don't think, you know, it was all of us were friends. So we were all like, hey, we're, you know, we're, let's do, you know, let's do it. Me and Kenny committed the same weekend. I mean, we came for our visit the same weekend, so we both committed that weekend. And the DJ was the following week. How different is it? Like, I know when everything happened, there were a lot of hurt feelings. A lot of people were mad. But it seems like as time has passed and the program's now back on stable ground, everybody's coming back around again. How cool is it to see everybody kind of starting to be back around the program and, and starting to be back involved and, and letting the past be the past and, and getting over that and kind of moving on? I mean, it's fine. I mean, it's just conversations that have to happen. I mean, you know, Hugs is gone. Hugs is not going miss any sleep or miss any meals, man. He, he did well here. He made a lot of money. Um, he's doing well in West Virginia. We all keep in touch and keep tabs with him. Um, you know, for most of us, we graduated from this university. I mean, we made our names here. So, I mean, that's what it's more about is the legacy. And, you know, that's what I talk to guys about. I mean, Kenya came back last year for homecoming. Um, you know, I played a hand in kind of getting him back in for that. Um, I talk to him all the time. I mean, the minor talks to him all the time. We're all, you know, we spent some time together this summer, a few places, the three of us. Um, so, I mean, it's just, you know, you just got to have those conversations, man. It's not anything personal, you know, mixed doing what he needs to do for his, for himself and his legacy and the legacy of the university. So, you know, one day all of us will be gone and this, if the university is still going to push on and push forward. So that's what it's about, man, is, is the kids, at the current time, we've had our time. You know, if we can do anything to enhance the, the experience for these guys, that's what, you know, we're around for and that's what we're supposed to do. So, you know, I think Nick has done great. I mean, before I even got back to Cincinnati, my mom was battling cancer. And one of the first calls I got was Mick telling me, hey, you know, I've been through that. You know, keep your head up. If you need anything, give me a call. Um, and that was, man, that may have been 11 years ago. I mean, yeah. when he first got the job and, it, and he was – wasn't doing as well. So, I mean, I've always been the same with him. You know, he's always been the same with me. Um, let me tell you, you saw the other day when I was in practice when he left out. He <laughs> looked at me and went and, 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 and said, hey, I ran those guys for you. So, I mean, it was – we've got a good rapport, man. If I need anything, I'll text him. My high school coach was in town, um, you know, came over to practice. I mean, so it's, 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 it's good, man. You know, I'm happy for him. He's doing well. Um, you know, one of the, one of the better – you know, younger coaches, so he's climbing the ranks and creating his legacy. So, you know, that's all you can ask. I'll, I'll tell that story just a little bit so people get a little bit better of an understanding. Mick was uh, – <laughs> he, he really hadn't been that hard on him the whole day. Like, it had been a pretty good day. But but you walked in, and things were getting a little bit – it was towards the end of practice. Things were getting a little bit uh, sloppy, um, and he was trying to tighten it up. So he made him run. They didn't hit the time. He made him run again and again and again. Uh, just to kind of send home his message, and it was uh, it was a day he had like as soon as practice was over he had to go. So practice gets over, he walks out the door. As soon as he gets to the door, he looks to to Stokes and he says, "I did that for you." Kind of winked and walked on out the door. <laughs> it was hilarious. It was hilarious. And was like, all yeah, that, did, all, so DJ came over and I said that before. He was like, "You know, he ran it because you." I said, "Man, I ain't had nothing to do with me." And then Mick comes over and says it. So then later when I see. Uh, when I see the young fellas, they say, man, don't come back to practice no more. <laughs> it was a nod to the old days. <laughs> yeah, it was, man. Uh, you got anything else, Berg? Yes, I do. I have one more. So you just talked right. about, about Kenya Martin. 
Harder mm-hmm. dunker, Kenyon Martin or Jason Maxiel? Um, I'm go- I'm gonna go with Kenyon, but Jason Jason was a Jason. See, Jason had the one arm throwdown that he would always do. I mean, that was pretty pretty powerful. But then, he, if he caught a putback dunk, it was with two hands. So he was he was athletic. But Kenyon was more. I'm gonna go through you, dunk on you, get out of my way. Uh, the guys got out of the way. So I mean, it was a it's good. That's a good comparison. But I, I'm gonna take I'm gonna give Kenyon the edge and uh. Continuing the edge in that one. I probably right. would too, but but barely though. I mean, Max could bring the yeah, pain. Yeah. And, you know, just ask LeBron James, right? He threw one down around on his head. Yeah, he and, definitely uh, did play one down around. All right, one more, one, one more. You just jarred my my brain, Berg, and we would be remiss. You were you were in the huddle for the DePaul game, right? The comeback. Yeah, yeah. I got did, hurt in that game actually. Did, I'll tell you Hugs, a story about that game though. But, did Hugs really say if anybody but Kenyon? If you don't, if like Kenyon doesn't touch the ball, you're off the team. So what he, his exact words were: If anyone else shoots the blanking ball except for him, you won't play here or anywhere else in the country <laughs> ever again. <laughs> <laughs> ever again, man. So we go, we we play. I get hurt, I sprain my ankle, and I actually fracture my ankle. So we we get back. And I go to the training room. They take Jay takes me, and he's like, "Man, you're, you're he's like you're in pretty bad shape." So they put a cast on on my ankle, and there's um, a soft cast. So I'm asking Jenny because there's no TV in the locker room. I'm asking Jay. I'm like, "Man, what's the score?" He's like, "Man, we're down, we're down, we're losing." So that's when Tate got the steal. DJ goes down and hesitates, and then he finally shoots and goes in. And then they the crowd goes silent. So I'm like, "Oh man, we got to be winning." So Jay's like, "We just hit a shot." And then a, a couple seconds later, you hear their crowd go crazy. And Jaden's like, they just threw in a half-court shot, and it went in. And then I'm like, oh, we lost. So I'm in the locker room preparing for the, the loss. They come running in the locker room. <laughs> Everybody, like, running in. They knock the table over. I'm on the table with my ankle in the <laughs> They knock the table over. I fall down. And, I mean, I'm, they're like, we won, we won, we won. That was the best comeback. So everybody's in there hugging, high-fiving. And then um, after I was on crutches, and when we, we chartered the plane, Kenya actually carried me onto the um, onto the plane. He was like, man, sorry for knocking the table over. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he carried me up. That was our team at that time, man. We were all young, and we all got along, man. It was a, it was such a great family atmosphere, man. But that, yeah, that's definitely what Hugs said. He said, you won't play here or anywhere else in the country ever again. I said, that's, a, that's a pretty steep threat right there. Which is why Jamar hesitated, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fantastic. DJ all says right. he was he was gathering himself, but uh, we all knew he was. Really, uh, <laughs> he, was he was scared as hell. He was scared as hell. All right, man. We really appreciate it. This has been fantastic. Catching up with Leonard Stokes, former Bearcat. The uh, the Be Different podcast, capital B, lowercase e, D R F N T. It's Leonard Stokes and uh, former Xavier player Brad Redford. And a new episode dropping tomorrow. Go to iTunes, smash that subscribe button, and make it a regular listen. I checked out the first episode. It was really good stuff. And, uh, Leonard, we appreciate it, man. It was great catching up. That was fun. Thanks, I appreciate you guys for having me on, man. Go cash, man, but I appreciate it. Thank you. No problem, yeah, man. Thanks, uh, once the season Thank hits, we'll, uh, we'll have you back on and catch back up, and, uh, and we'll talk about how things are going. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, to man. It. Thank appreciate All it. Right. That's Leonard Stokes. <laughs> 
former Bearcat and Berg. I know that's always fun for you, and we have those guys on. And I'm not going to lie, man. I, 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 I was I was young and a Bearcat fan in, in, in those times as well. And maybe one of the coolest things about doing what we've been doing is getting to know those guys, getting to know Stokes and DJ and Terry Nelson and you know all the guys that are around. It's uh, it's been a, a a wild ride and a very fun part of the experience to get to kind of build a relationship with some of those guys that you you know when you were younger watching growing up. You had so much fun watching UC basketball, and, and those guys were the big part of it. Yeah, I mean, like I told you when we talked, when you told me that Stokes was going to be on the podcast, is you know I'm going to call my dad right after that and, uh, and let him know because every time I tell him, I, I you know I just interviewed Hicks or I just talked to Stokes or whoever it is or Cashmere, you know he's just like, man, I, I want to meet them. He's like, <laughs> he's like, you living out my dream. You're living my dream. <laughs> so um, yeah, it is. It's, yeah, it's been incredible, and that was a really good one. I really enjoyed. Being able, because I mean, those teams are—they were right in the prime of. I was in college right around that time. I mean, I was a huge fan, obviously, and um, just—it's just a shame that uh, a lot of times when we look back with a certain player, like, hey, remember that heartbreaking loss that happened? Right. You know, it's just—it's so tough. So, you know, this is leading into this season. I mean, you know, is UC going to be able to get over the hump in some of those games and not have them be all we almost? beat them by, two, you know, we lost by two or four, whatever the case is. Can this team get over the hump against a Florida or, you know, or at a UCLA or even at Xavier and, and, and obviously against Wichita State? There's a lot of chances. So uh be interesting to see if this team can, um, can you know, make some of those memories be like, hey, remember when they beat that team instead? Right. No, I'm with you. I think this team definitely has a chance. Uh, I think one of the key factors, they're an old team, they're a veteran team. They got some guys that have been through the wars. They, they've got a lot of experience. They've got age. They've got a lot of the things that you look for when, uh, and they've got balance. More importantly, offense and defense that you look for when a team makes a run. So, true. It, it, it's it's days away, man. Uh, I, I know Berg has got a. I don't want to touch too much on the red black scrimmage because I don't want to to put a kink in the story that you worked hard on uh, on what to look for when players uh, or take the floor for the red black scrimmage. That's Saturday at three thirty. Doors open at three. BB&T Arena, there will be beer sold. So if you're on the fence, now you can go and have a couple beers and watch the uh, the Bearcats scrimmage. Excuse me on Saturday, and uh, Berg and I will be there. We're also gonna hit the road down to Freedom Hall on uh, next Wednesday and take in the Bearcats and the Bellarmine Knights uh, in a scrimmage action. And then November 4th, the home scrimmage, leading up to November 10th. That's going to be a long-ass day. You're going to have to carry the load on the basketball side that day. That's going to be a terrible day. Why? Oh, because there's a football game, too? There's a football game that night, 7 o'clock. When's the, what time's the basketball game? Noon. Hmm, okay. Noon on Friday the 10th. Oh, wow. Yeah. Noon Friday. What? Yeah. I thought that was day Saturday. Or something. No, okay. it's Friday. Okay. What, it's okay. the first the official first day of the season. Wow. All so, right, that's fine. Uh, yeah, hey, man, I'll, I'll do what I need to do on that one. I, I've already been working on some uh, – finding some video of um, Savannah State. And uh, they're, they, they it's going to be fast. fun. I think it's going to be a fun one. They were number one in the country last year in adjusted tempo and three-point they attempts. They 12, 12 and a half seconds uh, a possession on offense? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that should be a nice intro to uh, the Bearcats playing faster in 2017-18 right there. Yeah, it's going to be a fun one, and I'm uh, I'm ready to get it going. Uh, good week here with the bye week in football. 
getting moved around, set it up so the red-black scrimmage gets its own weekend instead of being during homecoming. Uh, I know that was kind of a pain in the rear end for a lot of people uh, trying to do both events in the same day. So now basketball gets a standalone event, 3.30 BB&T Arena. Berg and I will be there. And uh, make sure you're, in, you're here tomorrow as well as we uh, check in with Haruki Nakamura, former Bearcat great and uh, had a good career in the NFL. And uh, Haruki's going to talk about uh, the early Mark D'Antonio years, uh, changing the culture of a program, learning how to win, all the things that this Cincinnati program is kind of uh, re-experiencing in the beginning of the Luke Fickle era. So very excited for that. And uh, a lot to look forward to at Bearcat Journal. We're bringing the heat. Uh, we're working on some football stuff. That's why, I, unfortunately, it figures you guys would try to come to me. I, like, I literally, I had been on the phone for, like, eight seconds. And then I hear silence out of my headphones. I'm like, crap. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to kick it over to you and uh, didn't hear a response. I thought maybe your feed was down. No, I was my feed have to was fine. Take us home. <laughs> my volume was down. Oh, okay. <laughs> Well, but I appreciate you kicking it over to me for that length of time because, as you know, I love going back and talking about the old days with UC and and even bring it you know, transitioning it into now. I thought when I looked at his free throw attempts, I said, "Whoa, that's you know just like Jacob Evans. Maybe he can do the same thing." So I wanted to ask him about that. So, hey, I, I love turning it over to you because I know you're uh, you're you still go back and watch all those games and and relive those experiences. So I know it's a, a big deal for you to. Uh, be able to talk to those guys, and I, I, you know, I get to talk to them and practice a little bit more and, and, and experience that a little bit more. So uh, I like letting you have those, uh, those spotlights and that little bit of fun and uh, catching up with guys like him and, and re- getting to kind of vicariously relive the Bearcat experience uh, th- back through those guys. So I'm glad you enjoy it. I do that for yeah. you, I Thanks, man. And, and, and I, I don't know if people – like I posted the thing with Hicks and – it was funny to talk to Hicks and then Stokes, you know, they played together. And so it was fun. I obviously a lot of memories from that era. So um, I appreciate it, man. I definitely am grateful for the opportunity. No problem. And uh, that's going to bring this one to a close. Uh, like I said, make sure you're there Saturday, 3.30 BB&T Arena. Berg and I will be there. We will have coverage on Bearcat Journal throughout the day. <coughs> that's going to wrap it up. Uh, I'm about to, as soon as this gets done, <coughs> Might be a little late going up tonight. Sorry, you won't know that until the end. But I am jumping on with uh, Bobby Reagan and Ben Brust on the Fundamentally Sound podcast uh, to preview UC and the AAC. So you'll get a double dose of me in the podcast realm tonight. So, Bert, thanks a lot, brother. I will uh, see you on Saturday. Yes, sir. Sounds good. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Justin Berg. It's the BCJ podcast on BearcatJournal.com. <laughs>